Good morning, Grace Community Church. Uh, I can, can uh, I'm just kidding, it's working, man. I'm just, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do that. You, you see the techno geeks in the back, and oh, oh, man, I'm just messing with y'all. Um, glad you're here with us today. All you that's visiting, we're glad you could be here as well. Uh, today's a little bit of a different format. If you didn't know, um, our pastor, Thad Blunt, had heart surgery uh, two, three weeks ago now. So he is recovering well, but it, it's, he's probably, in fact, he's probably on Facebook Live, uh, if everybody wants to wave to him. I, he's at home. He, yes, thank you, Thad. You owe me. Uh, he's at home drinking his hot chocolate, sitting there in his little pink fuzzy jammies. So uh, it's been amazing through this whole process to see the lengths that Thad Blunt would go to get out of work. Uh, I mean, it's, that's true. He was... He was at the doctor's office, and the doctor said, Thad, we may have to do heart surgery, a bypass. And Thad, obviously, anybody would be a little anxious at first, but then the, the doctor explained to him, Thad, that means you're not going to be able to work for weeks. You're going to have to have somebody take care of you. And for Thad Blunt, obviously, that's not really a lifestyle change. And that's... that's <laughs> but... But you've got to understand, in Thad's mind, his infinite wisdoms, he's thinking, okay, weeks without work. Hmm. Somebody to take care of me. Doctor, let's not do a bypass. Let's, let's do four. <laughs> I mean, he's like, oh, we're going to go big. I, I, kudos to Thad. I, if I would have thought of that, I'd have done it myself. I mean, I, I'm excited for him that he's getting to sit there in his little jam jams and watch us today. But it will be a little bit of a different format today. We're going to have our youth group. Our 412 ministry is um, doing the service today, so we're excited about that. They asked me to get up here and, and make fun of people. Um, no, no, no. Not to make fun of people. I, I don't know why they would think I'd make fun of people. That's not what I do. Uh, but they did ask me to intro our, our team. So I am I'm Chris Laughlin, one of the youth leaders. My wife, Amanda, is partners with me on that, as well as Corey and Megan Cooper. And then we have three interns. Emily Roberts is here. I saw her earlier. Okay. And um, Luke Bonner's in the back, and then Savannah Laughlin. So they work really hard to make the youth group a, a fun place for the youth. I work really hard to, uh, well, to, to make fun of the youth. So, so we all do our part. And that's, that's a part that I'm really gifted at. Who am I to, to really quench the Lord's gift of, of humiliating people? So today we're going to have the 412 ministry do this uh, do the service. It's, it's an exciting time for me. If, if you didn't know, uh, so Amanda and I have been with the youth group, I think in February it's been eight, 18 years. So that's, I know what you're thinking, Amanda's really old. <laughs> Sound logic, who am I to argue? But we've been doing it a long time, been, a, been just, it's meant a lot to us, and we're thankful to be part of the ministry. And we're thankful to partner with Megan and Corey doing that. Um, I'll share with you. I, I've, I looked around who was coming in today. Sorry, I forget about this mic. I looked around at who was coming in today, and I wanted to share a few stories with some of our, about some of our youth over those 18 years. And so, for example, I saw the Hearns and the Cooks. When we started, I think Winston was a senior. Caleb, I forget if there was a year difference. So Caleb Cook was either a junior or senior. I remember being at the Cooks. They're opening their home for a, a party, swim party. Those boys tried to throw me in the pool, in which I was thinking, what have I got myself into? But, but I remember that. I, I enjoyed that time. I remember all your, your three kids, and they're two. Uh, they, yeah, I just remember thinking, that this is, this is going to be a rough ride. But it, it's turned out pretty good. <laughs> Who else? I saw Ron and Denise Gardner. So Nathan, Nathan, I remember him. He was, he was older when we, when we joined as well. But Clifton, we called him Webster because if, if you ever needed a definition, you just asked him what that definition is. I also remember going on a, tr on a youth trip with him. We're on the bus. He drinks two, two Monster Energy drinks, those big old drinks. And I thought, that's not good. That can't be good for your heart. But then I got to thinking, well, that's just one less youth to have to worry about taking back home. <laughs> so that was Clifton. Who I saw Bruce and Deborah Grubbs. Enjoyed getting to see Pamela at her concert. She sang beautiful voice. And Jonathan was always someone that I could count on if I needed to like 
build this cardboard anything because he was very good at cardboard stuff. I remember him well. I remember also taking him on a hiking trip in Colorado. We weren't sure he was going to make it back, but he did. We're thankful for that. Jerry and Connie Peterson, I had Cody for a little bit. I'm sure I had my time to annoy him um, and irritate him because that's what I do according to Amanda. Um, But I remember Cody. Uh, Steve and Linda Bartlett. Now, I know what you're all thinking. Steve and Linda Bartlett's kids, Tim and Matt, were they as wild and loud and obnoxious as Steve and Linda? (laughs) No. No, not at all. Who could be, right? Who could be? Tim and his, I enjoyed his Eagle Scout, the ceremony. That was a big deal. Matt, he may have been in eighth grade when we started. I don't remember. But I remember learning early on not to get into a, you know, just a match of wits with him because he was way smarter than me at an early age. The Clarks. I saw Gabriel's here. If I ever wanted to know where Gabriel was, all I had to do was look for him or Jacob Albright or Andrew Blunt because those three stooges will always be together. Um, I, I remember him well. Andy and Amy Eubanks. So they, I saw Amy. I, all I can say about them was like father, like son, like mother, like daughter. Um, for, as, far as, as far as the son goes, we got to pray for him because if he turns out like his dad, it's going to be a rough ride. Um, but those were two good ones. Some more Eubanks. We had David and Andrea. Two have come through. Two have already gone through. So we've got, we're still working on two. And, and Elijah, we called Elijah David Jr. Because he was just like David. I mean, who else would go to Ponderosa and pick up this huge rock and think they can throw it because they're, I'm a man, I can throw this big old rock. And then they immediately drop it on their foot. So who would do that except the David Jr.? Smiths, the Smiths, we had all the Garrett, all three girls and Garrett coming through. I remember him being in Colorado and Garrett doing, he was on a wall about yay high. I didn't realize how acrobatic he was. He's, he does a backflip, and, and he keeps preparing to do this backflip, and I'm thinking, I start Googling on my phone, nearest hospital, nearest hospital. <laughs> but he did it. I mean, he, did, he inspired me to go do it. <laughs> that didn't happen. I didn't do it. I knew better. But he, he was very, he was, he, I was surprised he didn't die. Brian B. and Holly Nichols, we had one, that's, we still got two. One that's already left us, he's graduated and gone on to be in college. And I remember Christian coming in, he was in seventh or eighth grade, we were doing a party. And, and so we've got all this food laid out, it's all covered, and we said, don't eat the food. So what does Christian do? He goes over and sneaks. And about the time he put his mouth, I, I look, what are you doing, boy? Boom. So I thought, you know, the appropriate response to this is an atomic wedgie. You know, where you grab their underwear, pull it over their head. But I didn't do that, and I'm glad I didn't, because that boy grew up really big, and he would be giving me an atomic wedgie. So I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I didn't do that. Saw the halls. Houston. Houston Hall. We, we, go on, we, we were in Colorado last year. Whitewater rafting. And I'm thinking, yeah, I got Houston in my raft, so I'm safe. I've got him to back me up. Well, who flips out of the raft but Houston Hall? And it was, it was slow motion. I mean, it's like he goes over his, his um, paddle, gets caught under him, and he just flips right off. And it's, he's, and it's we're, in, we're in the rapids. And so he's grabbing onto the edge, trying to get up, and it's wet, and he's slop, slipping off. And I remember, it's amazing what goes through a person's mind when all that's happening. I mean, the first question that came to my mind was, do I like this kid? I mean, no, do I really, really like this kid? And then the second question, do his parents want him to come home? I, I decided I better, I better play it safe, and let me save this boy. So I did what they teach you. You know, you grab him by the vest. You can't pick up a wet body so easily, so you, you just fall back into the raft. That's what they would tell you to do. So I did that. And, and it's like he was just so emotional. He looked at me in the eye. He's kind of laying on me. And he, he said, I lost my shoe. <laughs> I, it was apparently a very important pair of shoes, or his only pair. I don't know. But we look, and there it's floating down the river. So we saved it, and he was so excited. I, it, it meant a lot that I could be a part of that. I wouldn't feel right to, to not at least speak about David and Melinda's 
two that we had the opportunity to work with, which was Caleb and Sarah. The other two had grown the other The other kids are older, and they grew up. So I, I want to kudos to you guys for thinking that through and really spacing out the kids, because they can take care of you guys well into your hundreds. <laughs> but Sarah and Caleb, I remember being at something and speaking, and I said, those are two nickels that's not worth a dime. <laughs> yeah. I did. And, and Sarah just goes, ah, Chris. <laughs> you know how she does. And I said, I'm just kidding, Sarah. You are, in fact, worth a dime. I'm not sure. She seemed to take that good. I don't know. Who else we got? I, I just recognize I, we had several baseball players between Thomas Johns, the Blunt Boys, um, enjoy getting to watch them play ba baseball over the years when we could. But, but speaking of my Blunt Boys right here, and we're missing one of them, but listen, folks, Amanda and I over our 18 years have had to endure all three of Thad's offspring. <laughs> listen, all three of them. And if that is not building up treasures in heaven, I don't, I don't know what is. <laughs> so those are, those are just some of the ones I can think of that I, that I looked out and saw today. If I didn't mention any of your children that have come through over the years, it's not because I don't remember them. It's, it's probably that I just didn't like them. <laughs> no, I'm just being serious. Mm. But I could talk about, I could talk about more of them. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure for me and Amanda to get to be a part of this ministry. Um, and I'm especially excited today to get to recognize Corey Cooper, who is going to be up here today. Uh, Corey came through the youth group. I remember him coming in as a seventh grader. And if you didn't know Corey and Caleb, Corey Cooper and Caleb Blunt, when they were in nursery, I mean, they're staring each other down, ready to fight. As soon as they could crawl, they're fighting all the way through nursery, and it, and it never stopped. I thought, they're going to get in youth, and they're going to get along. Ah, they, they, they're going to always fight because they're like brothers. So I remember when Corey and, and Caleb came into youth group thinking, you know, they're probably going to kill me, and if they don't, I'm probably going to kill them. But the Lord saw fit for different plants, and um, i got to get my iPad on. Excuse me. The Lord saw fit for different plants. And, and today, Corey is teaching our youth group, and he's doing a fabulous job. Uh, Corey and Megan both mean the world to me and Amanda. We're thankful to be walking alongside of them as part of this youth ministry. And, and it, just, it just touches my heart that Corey is going to be able to come up here and minister to you all today. I'm thankful for that. So I'll share with you that Corey always teaches from the Word every, every Wednesday. He's in the Word. And so with that in mind... Let's turn to the Word today, and we're going to read some Scripture before, before we get things started. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians uh, 6. We're going to start in verse 11, go through 7 and 1. So if you will stand with me, and we're going to read, we're going to read Scripture. Second Corinthians 6, 11. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own afflictions. Now in return for the same, I speak as to, as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with, with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk with among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 7.1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we're able to be here in your, in your house of worship. We just pray that all that we do today would glorify you, that it honors you, and that, it, and that we 
get something out of the message today that we can use in our daily walk as we go through, the, through this next week. We thank you for this season uh, to recognize the birth of your son that ultimately led to uh, his death on the cross and our, and our salvation through him. We just give you praise. We ask that we, all that we do is pleasing to you in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Um, we are really excited to be up here with y'all again to lead worship. So if y'all just remain standing as we worship the Lord. sin was 
to yell into uh, microphones, so I'm going to try and be very soft-spoken today. We'll see if that works. Um, I do kind of want to introduce the topic real quick. Um, we will be looking at cleansing and the fear of God, and we will be drawing that out of 2 Corinthians 7.1. That's where we'll spend majority of our time today. Um, we will bounce around to a couple other passages, but we're going to spend most of our time in 7-1. And so while y'all are turning there, I do want to kind of <clears throat> let you know how I got here. Uh, I do think it's funny, so please laugh at the end or this won't work. So <laughs> um, I started, kind of got wind a couple weeks ago that I might be asked to preach. And a couple things went through my mind. First was, 
if fat had something to do with this, are we sure he wasn't high on medication or still lingering from the surgery after effects, anything like that? Um, and second was who, me? Um, most of y'all have seen me grow up and I thought, not a chance. So um, here I am though. And so when I was asked, I had been studying for my personal self, kind of the tail end of Acts chapter two um, and the vital church growth. And I thought, that's where I'm going to preach out of. That's, that's an awesome text. It'll be a great text going into the new year. And I thought, that's where we're at. And so the more studying I did, the more I realized that's not where I was teaching from. And so I started praying, Lord, where do you have me to teach? What would you have me to say? And I came around to 2 Corinthians 7.1, and I read it, and immediately I was like, that's it. That's it. So I started studying that, and kind of making our way to Operation Christmas Todd at this point. I'm driving the, the van, and Megan's sitting beside me, my lovely bride, and she looks at me. She goes, you still going to teach through Acts chapter 2? And I said, no, um, no, I'm not. And she said, good, I didn't like that. And I said, <laughs> okay. And I said, no, I'm going to teach out of uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1. So she pulls up her Bible app, and she goes, okay, well, let's read it out loud. It says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then she asked me, are you going to do that before you preach? <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> working on it. Um, we will spend most of our time here, though. Sorry, I have been uh, battling a sinus infection for the last couple of days, so I'm going to be drinking some water and hopefully not coughing in your ear. So um, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we dive into this, and then we're going to dive in head first. Father, I come to you, and I ask that you would remove me. Father, the only capabilities I have are to mess this up. So, Father, I pray that you would take control. You would speak through me. My words would not leave my mouth, and only yours would leave. Father, I pray that one day, when I stand and give an account for what I'm doing right now, that you would find honor and you would find glory from what I'm doing. It is only by your power and your control that that will happen. And so I pray that that would. It is in your precious and holy name that I pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so we are going to kind of dive in. I've cut this into three phases, phrases for us. Let's see if I can get my paper to stand still. Um, three phrases for us. This is just how I kind of study myself. Uh, so the first phrase we're going to take a look at is having these promises. The second phrase we're going to take a look at is cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And the third is perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So I tend to just break things up because um, my mom knows I cannot handle too much at once. So I've got to divvy it up into small sections. So we're going to do that. Hopefully y'all will stay with me throughout it. Um, so the first question that I have, and I, I ask a lot of questions too when I'm studying scripture, so we're going to do that today. So um, when you read this, therefore having these promises, my first question becomes, well, what promises? What are we talking about here? And so we need to go back to the very beginning of verse 1, and it says, therefore, which means we need to go back a little bit more. So we're going to go back to chapter 6, and we're going to pick up in verse 16, and we're going to read through the end of 16. And starting in 16, it says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So, there are two promises here we're going to pick out. One is in verse 16, and it is God will dwell with them and be their God. We see it very clearly right here where Paul is quoting the Old Testament. God is talking to the Israelites. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So we see God is going to dwell with them and be their God. 
And we're going to see here in just a couple, couple minutes how these promises apply to us. And so we want to know what these promises are, okay? And we see in verse 18 that God will be our father. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So these promises were originally given to the Israelites, and Paul here is quoting the Old Testament to the Corinthian church, born-again believers, as promises to them as well. Okay, so these are promises for us. All right, what is important here in 7.1? Because that is our actual text, so we're going to take a look at what is important here. The first word we're going to look at is having. And if you don't like looking at words, I'm terribly sorry, because that's what we're going to do today. So you're going to get really bored really quick. Having is to have and to hold, and it implies continued possession. Okay? And beloved is spoken only of Christians as united with God or with each other in the bonds of holy love. So what Paul is saying here, and I think it is awesome, I praise God for it, is therefore having these promises beloved, meaning if you are born again, you have these promises. And not only do you have these promises, you continuously possess these promises, okay? Meaning, from the moment you're saved, you have these promises, and you will spend the rest of your life possessing these promises. Meaning, you become saved, God dwells with you, he is your father, and nothing is going to change that. He will always dwell with you, and he will always be your father. Okay? Now, on the flip side, it is necessary for us to understand that if you were not born again, you do not have these promises. Okay? So for anyone in here who is not born again, these promises do not apply to you. I pray one day they do, but right now, if you're not born again, they don't. So God is not dwelling with you, and he is not your father. All right, this is some serious stuff, and we really want to make sure that we get this right. So, for the born-again believer, we continuously possess God as our Father, and he continuously dwells with us. And that just makes me throw my hand up and go, Amen, because I know I love that. All right. Second phrase. We're going to get to that in just a second, because I'm going to take a sip of water. Second phrase is cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. All right? And to cleanse here, when you look at the word, it is to purify from the pollution and guilt of sin in a spiritual or moral sense. And this is a verb, so it requires action on our part. I don't know how many people in here really like, like the English, like study of English. I hate it. I loathe it. Like growing up in school, English was my worst subject. I did not pay attention. And so quite often when I'm studying scripture and something says it's a predicate, I have to Google what a predicate is. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know. Thankfully, it was a verb. I know what that means. So I was happy that this was a verb. I didn't have to Google the definition of what a verb is. But for those of us who may not know, you're going to be like me, and it, is, it requires action. Okay, It's talking about action here. So this cleansing is not something we're going to sit on the sidelines and do. We need to be involved with it. Okay. The term cleansing was also a legal term often used of cleansing leprosy in the Septuagint. So for these Corinthian believers who would have been reading Greek, understanding Greek, because that's their... That's their um, their language, when they read this, they're going to understand that this cleansing is really a cleansing from leprosy, which is going to have some importance to us um, in terms of how we look at sin. All right, so again, I'm going to ask some questions. Why is cleansing necessary? Why is cleansing necessary? So it's telling me to cleanse, but why? We're going to see that in 6.17. So that's sandwiched between the two promises that we got. Remember, God is going to dwell with us. God is our Father. And 17 is sandwiched between those two. And it tells us God is holy. So therefore, again, we're going to go back. I will dwell in them. This is in 16. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. One of the reasons we should be cleansing ourselves is because God is holy. All right, God is holy, so we must cleanse ourselves. How do we cleanse ourselves? 
All right, so we kind of covered why we should, but how do we do this? What does that process look like? Glad y'all asked. 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9. All right, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you want to be cleansed, you must confess. You must acknowledge what has gone on in your life. Bring it to the Lord and confess that to him. So if you've got sin in your life, you must confess it because he is faithful to cleanse us from that. Praise God. So what is the big deal? What is the big deal here? He's kind of tackled a couple different angles. The big deal here is sin is like spiritual leprosy for us. Okay, Google defines leprosy. I told y'all I Google everything. So Google defines leprosy as an infectious disease that causes severe disfiguring skin sores and nerve damage. So bottom line, a sin in your life is causing spiritual nerve damage. Okay, that's the big deal here. That's why cleansing is necessary. Because if you've got sin in your life, it's hurting you. It's causing nerve damage. Spiritual nerve damage. It's not good. All right, second phrase continued. From. This might be um, my most favorite word I've looked at in this section. It's a really small word. I, honestly, when I was looking at each word, I wasn't expecting to get a lot out of this word from, and I got a whole lot. So we're going to look at it. It indicates the separation of a person or an object from another person or an object with which it was formerly united but is now separated. If you're like me, I had to read that 25 times, and I was like, oh, okay. I did the, y'all know how Thad does the big eyes? I was like, doing the Thad thing, oh gosh. So, y'all know it. <laughs> um, so, what it's communicating, though, is that when you read this from, whoops, when you read this from, it is from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So, for those of us who are saved, we were united with, with filthiness of the flesh and spirit, okay? That's what we were. And because of what God has done, we are now over here and we're united with God away from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So that's why this word from probably is my favorite word I've studied because it indicates what God has done in my life and what God has done in your life as a born-again believer. You were over here united with filthiness of the flesh and spirit, happy. That's what your life was. And now you're over here in this other camp, completely separated from that, with God, united with God. That's what this word from is telling us is happening. All right? Filthiness is defilement. Okay? And it's not just defilement, but it's in the sense of an action by which anything is defiled. So this kind of made me think. In my life, is it enough for me to just not sin? Or should I also kind of be identifying the pathways of sin in my life? Meaning, if I struggle with being an alcoholic, let's say, should I go to bars? Like, should I just not drink? Or should I also be trying to identify areas in my life of, okay, these are pathways that are going to lead me to an area that I struggle with already. I don't need help in that area. So I'm reading through this and I'm going, okay, Corey, what's some areas in your life that you tend to struggle with and you not only need to be saying, let me not do that, but you also need to be identifying the pathways that leads to you doing that and trying to cut those off early, okay? Flesh is the body. And I kind of want us to think outer man here. Outer man, so just the outer man, the body. And then spirit is going to be the rational spirit. It's the power by which a human being feels, thinks, wills, decides. Uh, this would include our thoughts, our emotions, our attitude, our decisions. This is going to be the inner man. The inner man. All right. Now what I do want to do is I want to kind of caution us here for just a second. Um, I want to make sure that 
I'm not pointing anybody to a legalistic mind, okay? Um, what I'm not telling you is stop sinning because then you'll be good. Bottom line is we'll never be good, ever. Until we're dead and with the Lord, we will not be good. So in your mind, don't have this Pharisee mindset because here in a second, we, or we just looked at how we need to be getting the filthiness out of our life in both the inner man and the outer man. Well, if you've cleansed yourself of the outer man and now you've got this really haughty attitude, this prideful mind, now you've defiled the inner man and you gotta get it cleansed. So I'm gonna caution you this is not a legalistic mindset that I'm telling you, nor is it a legalistic mindset Paul's talking about here. We're going to take a look at that here with the word perfect. Okay? The word perfect here is not geared towards a legalistic mindset. So I do kind of want to tap the brakes with you if you're kind of, if you're like me and you're going, okay, so just don't sin anymore. And you're like, I'm just not going to sin anymore. This is great. And you're ready to leave. Time out real quick. Don't walk out of here thinking that way because yes, that's, that's accurate. That is what we want. It's just not going to happen. And so we need to understand that that's not the mindset that Scripture wants us to have. That's not the mindset that I want you to have. So I do want to caution you with that. All right, third phrase, holiness. So it's perfecting holiness in the fear of God. All right, I'm doing good on time. Um, this is to finish or complete. So this is not sinless perfection. And that's why I was telling you, kind of cautioning you on that legalistic mindset. We're, we're not dealing with sinlessness, okay? We're not dealing with that here. This, what we're dealing with is progressive sanctification. And what I mean by that is the process that every believer has in becoming more and more like Christ. So the, the goal here is not that I just don't sin anymore. The goal is that I look like Christ. That's the goal. Okay, that's what Paul is preaching to these Corinthian believers about is I'm not telling, he's not telling them, hey, just don't be a sinner anymore. He's saying, be like Christ. It wasn't just stop sinning. No, stop sinning, yes, but do so so that you'll be like Christ. All right? Holiness is moral purity. It's living a life of virtue. Okay? So, again, we're, we're talking about being like Christ. And fear. Fear, you can define it with fear, reverence, terror. Um, hang on one second. Basically... When y'all go home today, and I, I don't want y'all to know, take this as a note. I know how like when we leave or when Thad's preaching, he normally gives us like 48 things to study in between lunch and supper. I'm only going to give you one. So be sure when he gets back, y'all tell him y'all like me more. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, one thing, study this. This is a pretty cool study. Uh, fear. There are two main thoughts. Okay. Two main camps here. One is that this fear is dealing in a more of a respect or reverence of God. There's also a camp that um, it's more of a terror. Like I'm afraid of God. Okay. And after studying, I don't think either camp's wrong. Okay. I think that both camps are acceptable. Um, and even could be accurate to a degree. But I do think that Paul has a certain, he's, he's leaning more in an area, and I do think that area is reverence, okay? In studying the context and this passage here, I do think that what Paul's talking about is not necessarily that we should be quaking in our, in our shoes, terrified of the Lord, although we should be. Um, what I think he's really communicating is, is we should be, have this respect of God, okay? I really like the way um, Blue Letter Bible puts it. Um, they say this is not a mere fear of his power and righteous retribution, but a wholesome dread of displeasing him. Okay? So this should be a wholesome dread. We should have the goal of pleasing our Father. Okay? So to put it to you in a way that y'all might can understand, there's applications y'all have. Y'all can take more applications y'all want, and I encourage you to. That can be, I guess, number two that y'all can do between lunch and supper. I lied, I'm sorry. Um, but in my own life, growing up, mom and dad, Malcolm and Wendy, they're my parents, uh, they were extremely faithful to beat me, okay? Um, <laughs> probably over-faithful, like extremely zealous in that area. So, but um, what it caused in my life as a young kid was fear, like trembling, like I was petrified. Didn't, I knew when I did something wrong, which, mind you, was not often. Um, <laughs> when it happened, 
I was scared because I knew mom and dad were going to get a hold of me. Usually mom first, then dad when he got home. And that would scare me. Like, I was terrified, okay? Now, I'm bigger than both of them, and I'm not so much terrified anymore. But I do have a respect. I want to make sure that anything I do pleases my father, pleases my mom. I don't want them to be associated with someone who is doing things that's not worthy of being their child, okay? In that same regard, we should have that thought process about our Father in heaven. Because at the end of the day, if you are a born-again believer, and that's a big if, only you and the Lord know that, I do not, but if you are a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit indwells you. So everything that you do, everything that you think, the Holy Spirit's a part of that, okay? So when people look at you, are they identifying Christ or are they not? And that becomes the heavy burden of this passage, this perfecting holiness, this cleansing ourselves. When people look at Corey, are they seeing someone who's looking more and more like Christ or are they seeing Corey? My wife can attest to you, Corey is nothing special. He's really bad, he's an awful person. But when Corey's looking more and more like Christ, then he looks like Christ. And he's perfecting this holiness. He's cleansing himself. He's taking action in his life. He's, he's consistently confessing sin to the Lord and agreeing with the Lord, what I have done is bad, it's filthy. And I've done it before you and against you, and I agree that it's wrong. And scripture tells us that he is faithful to cleanse us from that. So my encouragement to you in 2019, what we got left of it, is to evaluate your life. When people looked at you over this last year, did they see Christ or did they see you? If they saw you, then you're going to be like me and you need to get busy with cleansing, which means you need to get busy with confession. And if you're not then please be leery of what's coming. And that's that, that spiritual mind. Don't get prideful, don't get haughty. 2020, I pray, will be a year of holiness for us all. It'll be a year that this church can be set apart from other churches. It'll be a year of growth in our individual lives, which will lead to a year of growth as a body. That's my challenge to y'all, is that we cleanse our body, we cleanse our mind, and we do both in the fear of God. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful for Scripture. I'm thankful for how it is written. Lord, I'm thankful that when you speak of holiness to me, you do not speak of sinless perfection, but just becoming more and more like your son who took my penalty, bore the weight of my sin, <clears throat> so that we could have a relationship. Lord, and I'm thankful over the last 20 years that you have spent molding me into more of like your son. Father, I want to look so much like him, and I confess I don't. I am so far away from being like Christ. But Father, I'm thankful for Scripture and that it tells me when I just come and confess, you were faithful to start the cleansing process. Father, I pray that this topic of holiness would stay with me. Lord, it would be a burden that I would carry this year. Lord, that I would seek daily to cleanse myself. Lord, of all filthiness. And it's because of those promises. You are my father. 
and you dwell with me. Lord, I pray that my thoughts and my actions would be worthy of the calling that you have for me. Father, I love you and I commit these things to you. And I'm completely dependent on your truly holy name. Amen. out with this last song. going to dismiss, but before we do, um, a, a few things to say to you. Uh, most of the stuff I said earlier was true. They were real stories. I, uh, over the 18 years, Amanda and I, uh, it, it's meant a lot to us. I've often said the youth group means 
more to us than we do to them. We definitely get more of an impact from them than they do from us. Uh, and this today is just another example of that. Uh, seeing Corey come through as a seventh grader and then being up here today is, it, it's something. And then this group behind me, they, they've been very faithful and we're thankful for them. So, um, just a few things to mention to you all. We, we need to be praying for Thad. He's doing well, but please keep him in your prayers, as well as Jim Franklin, who's always sitting in these, two, these seats over here. Uh, he's still recovering. Uh, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And then we've got missions conference coming up in just a few weeks. It's in March, beginning of March. So y'all keep that in mind uh, and be praying about that. Um, the last thing to mention to you is the challenge, the Bible reading challenge, for this month of January, beginning Wednesday the 1st, is the book of Joshua. So you all be reading the book of Joshua, okay? So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the for opportunity for the 412 ministry to, to, to lead the service. We, uh, it, it just is very touching uh, to see what you do in the lives of these young folks. And we just pray that you continue to work in them. And Lord, if there's any out here today that may be on the, on, the, on the wall just trying to decide what needs, you know, what, what emptiness is in their life. We just ask that you would tear down those walls, you would draw them to you, and that, um, Lord, that they would, they would come to know Christ as their Savior. Father, we lift up the missions conference that's coming up in, a, in just a few short weeks. We pray that you would use that uh, to minister out into, into the world, Lord, and that you would use that in a mighty way. And Father, we continue to lift up Thad and Jim and their recovery. We thank you for them. We just, uh, I just ask that they would be back with us soon. We know that you're in control, and we thank you for that. Thank you for the comfort in knowing that, Father. Lord, we just give this week to you, and in all we do, we pray that we would honor and glorify you, and we just love you in Christ's name. Amen.